0: You settle what you know.
2: The only questions that really matter are the ones you ask yourself. Welcome to Mental Dialogue. All I ask is
1: that you think. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of Intelligent Radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions And push the question, America's Afraid, to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the truth seekers out there. Our special guest for this morning's conversation with smart people is Horace Williams. Thank you, King, for being on with us. If you will, say hello to all the truth seekers and give people a little bit of your background, if you will. Thanks again, King, for being with
3: us. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me. So I am – my name is Horace Williams, uh, founder of Empowered Apps LLC. Essentially, uh, we're a technology company that focuses on simplifying advocacy and political engagement for organizations and individuals. And, um, you know, prior to that, I've been in the startup and technology space for almost 10 years and decided to bring that brain power where uh, where I believe we need it most, which is in uh, getting all folks engaged in the process. Hey, I
1: love it. It's definitely a unique thought to me. Um, this is not our first time um, having you on the show for anybody out there who may have heard horrors in the past. Anytime you know, we rarely do, in a sense, politics, if you will, on the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Uh, you know, We try to specialize in actual dialogue versus debate. And as I always tell a lot of my truth seekers here in the Mental Dialogue Community Club, I said the area where you're least going to typically get – true dialogue is politics and religion. So for the most part, we're not quick to touch on those bases, but um, you with this Empowered app have basically come up with what I consider an extremely unique way.
3: Hello.
2: Sorry for everybody out
1: there listening. We just had got knocked off the line. Uh, Do bear with me. I'm getting Horace back on as well. I don't even know where exactly where I got lost at. Horace, did you get knocked off? I saw you got knocked off too, unfortunately, King. Uh, but no, I didn't get
3: knocked off. I stayed on, but I just wasn't sure if if it wasn't me. No, yeah, I was saying yeah, I, I, pick I, up. I, the I, listen. Listen. I got knocked <laughs> off and they,
1: Actually, what I said that rarely happens happened. I was hoping you would yeah. hope you were picking it up. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, oh, I don't know how I got. I got a. I received another call and somehow, every, alright everybody, I apologized. Um, yeah, pick it back up if if, if again you pick up the conversation. Sorry about that. Um, wow. So I don't know the last thing. I don't exactly know where I got knocked off, but anyway, we'll get uh, to it. Think you were talking um, about
3: the advocacy piece,
1: right? 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 What I was saying, I was saying what was unique about unique about your Empower app was the concept. Again, as I said, I don't I rarely talk politics with the mental dialogue talk show, again, because I don't think people really engage or dialogue in reality. I think people just end end up yelling beliefs at each other, but what I find unique about your Empower app, having been on the app, is that, it, as you say, it is a chance for civil engagement, and it, it, it kind of, in a sense, and this is what I like about it. it, is neutral in It's application, if you will. It's an opportunity, again, to know those who are closest to you. Uh, We do say, when we do talk politics, we always say, at the end of the day, politics is local, and the Empower app is unique in the sense that it does give me an opportunity to know who exactly are my leaders locally as well as on the state level as as, as well as on the federal level because the reality is as an American citizen, most of us, I would say, are not informed and don't know quite often who our local officials are until it's time to walk into the voting booth for those who are in, at least engaged to do it on that level. And some people have gotten apathetic to the point where they don't even think that's necessary. So, uh, just again, just giving backdrop for what I see and how I like, you know, the, the app that you've created and I definitely think is unique because you've taken your technology background and applied it to this area. But, of course, I'll let you speak to it, but I just wanted to tell you how I see the app having been on the app. I think it is a unique opportunity for people to be that, quote, unquote, informed citizen, if you will. Go ahead, King.
3: Oh, no, I appreciate it, man. But, yeah, I think that, you know, we look at it as, you know, we – And, you know, it's interesting, right? Like, there's no real segue into civic engagement in life, right? Unless, you know, unfortunately, our segue is typically, you know, a traumatic incident or some kind of, uh, you know, issue that arises that forces us to be engaged. But unless it's a campaign, you know, political campaign, you know, there's not a lot of proactive um, reaching out to the community in general, around how to be involved in, you know, your just local civic governing or or the policymaking process as a whole. And there's no real focus on it as kind of a primary course in school or anything else along those lines. So, like, you know, what is the proactive means by which we figure out how we are governed and how to engage that? And that's what Empowered aims to be, right? Like, we want to be the first way that you start to figure out How to be properly involved in the process and have access to those who govern you, and understand how to hold them accountable, right? And in general, outside of that, we know that there are people that have already started being involved in the process, and for them, we want to streamline it. You know, for organizations or small coalitions or groups, even churches. You know, churches do a lot. You know, they, you know, churches have you know Mm -hmm. their uh, what do they call their advocacy ministry, right? Or their uh, you know engagement. Like these are these groups are fundamental. To, you know, how we're governed and they and they create leverage for a lot of communities and they don't even know it. And, um, you know, so we try to help them maximize essentially their influence, you know, because you can have a lot of people, but you need instruction. You need direction. You need to know, you know, mm-hmm. what, what best practices and, um, and in doing so that educational component. But then that facilitated component that creates a convenience that allows you to do it um, is where we think we can help a lot of people. And uh, you know, so long story short, you know that's 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 our game plan. You know, that's what we're doing, but then that's where we're trying to grow as well.
1: Nah, it makes a lot of sense. So yeah, if, you know, before you talk about even like you said the church involvement, where now they can do more than in a sense just have a voter registration, and the only results are here's the number of people we registered. Like that's what you're talking about, taking that a step further than just a numbers game, but as you said, in an engagement game. And that's what your app will help people do. So, again, highly encouraged by this app. Uh, we would definitely let people know that are listening how to get on the app, use the app, and, and, and again, what it's for. Uh, we're going to go to our first quick break. When we come back, though, we're going to get in, you know, get in, knowing that you are p- politically engaged. We're going to just kind of open up discussion about things that are going on on the political horizon and see your thoughts on it. Yeah, so, okay. You know, for example, this for example this impeachment hearing, you know, just kind of get some thoughts on it. I have some, <laughs> some thoughts on it. So I'm definitely going to hear in a sense, how you see it. Uh, I, I, I think yeah. you've followed me long enough to know I'm, I'm always kind of shooting down the middle, trying to just call it what it is. I'm not saying I have it yeah. right, but I, I, you know what I mean? I definitely try to be mm. seen with, with a little less emotion than what I see out here. But, again, I definitely want to hear your thoughts when we come I, up. I always late. appreciate Listen that, to, Try, to, <laughs> nah, try to ride that
2: horse, too. <laughs> all right,
1: bro. All right, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Karate for Children is offered every Sunday at Mount Vernon Presbyterian Church Gymnasium from 2.45 to 4.15 p.m. for ages 5 to 14 years old. Children will learn Japanese karate as well as self-defense prevention skills to handle today's situation. Like bullying and child abductions, for only $10 a class, children will gain confidence, self-control, and focus all while having fun and getting good physical fitness. There are no bench warmers because everyone participates. Come join our family every Sunday at 471 Mount Vernon Highway, Northeast, Sandy Springs, Georgia, 30328. For more information, call B-Champs at 770-643-1286. Again, that number is 770-643-1286. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Special Socrates. This morning's Conversation with Smart People, Horace Williams, founder of the Empowered Civil Engagement App. Horace, thanks again for being with us. As I say, anytime I go to the politics, I look for you and say, hey, brother, can you come on? Because I know you're engaged. I know you're in the know. Well, it's hard not to be in the know about this, these impeachment hearings that seem to be moving. Along a little further, uh, uh, this is something that we've constantly heard. Uh, this different ideas of impeachment for President Trump. Uh, I, if we, if we're real honest about it, uh, I think people kept say, said it even before his inauguration. Right? He's going to get impeached. He's going to do something to get impeached. And so, you know, so I don't know if that was uh, pathetic or not. But here we are again. And so, you know, before I give you my thoughts, King. Uh, Tell me what you see out there uh, from your perspective, and then of course I'll share mine. And, and since this is a political, we'll open up the dialogue early. I typically don't do this for conversation with smart people because I, I get so engaged in the conversation with you as my guest. But you know, in this case, I think I'm pretty sure people have feelings on it, so we'll open up the phone lines um, after we kind of jump in on our, our first thoughts. And again, there's so many things, so many places we can go when it comes to politics. But let's start there.
3: Yeah. So listen. Um, I I'll, I'll say it like this. I think that uh, perhaps there's some credence to what's going on, right? And and if so, you know, everybody is is uh subjected to the laws that we have in place and everybody needs to be held accountable. Um however, do I think that as a whole the Democratic Party has put way too much of their time and effort into this over the last 4 years? Absolutely. Um I think that, um, you know, there's a lot to be frustrated potentially with uh, President Trump uh, if, if, you know, that's the direction that you want to go in. But you also have to look at, uh, as a party, what you could learn from both how he won and how his presidency has been and spend that time looking inside the party and trying to figure out how to position yourself. Uh, to win the next campaign and spending four years focusing on impeachment, ain't it? Uh, it's too much resources, too much time, too much attention, um, and 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 that's for for, for the Democratic Party. And before I get even in deeper into that, because I've got you know some some frustrations around that, but this is general constituency. Um, you know, we we are primed to look at the television point, yell and scream, because those are people that get the most you know airtime and visibility. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
3: but the folks that's really messing with you is is, is living two blocks down from you. You know your 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 affordable housing issues ain't 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 a Trump issue. Your um crime mm-hmm. in your city is not a Trump issue. <laughs> nah, you no, know, very fair. You know your politics you're, you're, is you're, local, you're, right? Um,
1: that's what I you know we yeah, said at the beginning. Yeah.
3: Politics is local. Yeah. So so the thing is is that you know you have to really and and here's the thing that that a lot of people don't understand I'm a very incremental progress kind of person there is a level of confidence that enables you to get things done because you're not scared because you're informed the best way to build nice. that up is to start with local things that you can do immediately if you're concerned you or you're intimidated about approaching You've got it. If you're concerned or intimidated, and I'm saying this to the people that are listening because this is important, the Gold Dome and City Hall can feel like they are very intimidating places. The best thing that you can do is they've got NPUs, they've got Homeowners associations, they've got all of these hyper-local elected roles that you can join in and run for those offices, participate in those things, identify in those cases where you can be an active participant And build your own following, build your own leadership, and then use that as leverage to get things done at a hyper-local level. And then as you continually get those things accomplished and incrementally build your own confidence as a leader, because the minute you stand up for something that you think needs to be changed, you're inherently taking a leadership position. So don't shy away from that. I mean, it's necessary. It's how our communities improve. Right? So, you know, then you build up, and then you build up then one day you'll find yourself at the Capitol or under the gold dome because you'll be in this place where you're like, well, now, you know, it's not, you know, the problem is not uh, an issue of, you know, crime in my city. Now it's a problem that, you know, perhaps the police officers are not being paid enough and therein, therein lies a policy issue, right? and But you need to understand the underlining of the issues that are facing your community from the ground up because if you don't have the information, and you're operating off a of false premise. And if you're operating off a of false premise, that's great for Facebook discussions, but they ain't going to get no policy influence. It ain't going to get nothing done. Let me jump in right there, King, because
1: the you've said a lot. Yeah, let me jump in right here, because you said yeah, a whole ahead. lot. Lie. No, 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 you're good, you're good. I, I, I love how you break this down, and, again, when I met you, this is exactly who you were. Um, again, uh, I, I don't think it's – I personally don't think it's – Possible to be around Horace Williams and not want to be a more informed citizen
2: because
1: you, you consistently ooze out. This is how you do it. You know what I mean. So, so I just sat back and listened. But I want to connect what you just said to something a little earlier and just kind of going back to the impeachment hearings for a second. Sure. You just you broke it down to the to the, almost to the nth degree, and ultimately, when you were saying like what you're saying from the individual basis when you're breaking down how to become engaged, I want to connect it to when you were saying how, in a sense, the last four years specifically the Democratic Party had put so much time into impeachment. So yeah. when I was listening to you saying, well, this is what you should be doing versus that when you were talking about the party itself, as I was yeah. listening to you, at the end of the day, what you just what you had explained it's not even a shot at the Democratic Party as much as that's just the reality of what any party should be doing at all times, in a sense, especially when, quote, unquote, they've lost an office, right? Whatever office, whether that be locally, obviously we started out with President Trump, and so – and I'm hoping I'm, making, I'm hoping I'm making this make sense just from the standpoint oh, no, totally. of when you broke – Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying when you broke down, here's what they should be doing. It just so happens we're talking about the Democrats, you know, in a sense, um, going up, quote, if you want to say, quote, unquote, if you want to say up against Trump, this is what they should be doing. This is what parties should be doing all the time. Parties should be doing the very thing you just said individually. Here's how you engage. If you're going to be involved in politics, and it is so necessary on the local level, if you're not doing it pretty much the way that you're talking about, it ends up being that useless Faceless Facebook, no premise conversation that, as you said, gets nothing done. And as we're breaking it down for the individual, we're basically, I'm basically agreeing with you, and we're at this moment charging the whole parties of being guilty of the very same things that it's almost forgivable that the average citizen might not do the things you're talking about, but it's unforgivable when the parties become focused on something and pushing narratives that ineffectively make them ineffective. And I'll let you kind of jump in there, but I just wanted to connect that not only should individuals do what you say, but the parties can become guilty of it and just play politics on TV versus doing what's necessary in my opinion.
3: No, so totally. And one thing that I wanted to make sure I noted is that I'm not, you know, I am, if if I'm being frank, I'm more progressive than I am um, conservative. But at the end of the day, uh, I noted the Democratic Party because we have a Republican in office, right? But it would be the same thing if it was in reverse. And the thing is, is that, and, and, and I think the point that you're trying to highlight, which I think is very important, is that, yes, the misinformation and lack of involvement is further emphasized by the narratives that are pushed to keep things overly dumbed down for Mm -hmm. elected officials to get elected on high level promises that don't have any grit. Right. And the thing is, is that, that communication, you know, makes it more of an open landscape for people to be excited about a candidate, but it doesn't further educate individuals about what these people do. And, that is where in lies a very large problem around constituency mm-hmm. engagement, because the more detail you have about something, the more you dig in. And, but the more that you keep it open-ended, you know, the more ambiguous and the more uh, 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 difficult it is to find a place to start. And that makes it very easy for people to run amok in a political system without worrying about individual people holding them accountable because they've made the gap so wide with this televised narrative Mm -hmm. that it's hard for people to latch on. And one thing to also note, too, is that individual constituents, um, a lot of folks don't realize this, but the guy that's sitting next to you in an NPU meeting or the guy who's running it or the person who's your HOA leader or the person who's your city council person, you might be five to 10 years for them running from governor. You might be, you know, 15 years from them running for president. You know, people have a tendency to follow that path. I mean, we, we got like 500 people running for, uh, you know, president from the Democratic <laughs> Party right now. And like, and all of them at some point held, and, and, and the majority of them have at some point held a very hyper local office. You see, right. that's where the leverage starts. That's where you build your community. Right. I, have, I have friends of mine that are so heavily involved at the local level. I have seen them continuously end up having friends that are, you know, running for higher office, Congress or, or presidential. Mm-hmm. And and, and, and mm-hmm. it's like, you know, that's where it started. Like, there's an authenticity there. That's where there. it started. Like,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. So right. if you want to be
3: listened to, you know, you got to remember these people, and, and I'll cut off here, these folks, you know, Elected officials, you know, especially if you can look at a state representative, they've got a constituency of tens of thousands of people, sometimes hundreds. And you're trying to identify how to get your voice heard, right? Uh, You remember, there's a whole bunch of people they know that volunteer for them. There's a whole bunch of people they know they donated to them. Mm -hmm. There's a whole bunch of people that are, you know, active in their communities that have built leverage through their personal leadership. What have you done? Right? What is what is what is the thing that mm-hmm. get, gives your voice elevation amongst all of those? And then when you start to think about that, you know that it requires you to be informed. It requires you to do the things you need to do in your community, and then from there you can build the voice that you need to be heard to get things done. And that's how we really need to look at that process.
1: No, nah, it makes so much sense because I mean, what you're simply saying, if you are attached to that person, that 15 years from now is in that you know, running for that office and they win, then your influence is great. And, you know, you're just kinda of opening people up that getting involved on the local level could exact could absolutely lead to you one day having influence at the Gold Dome, for example, if you are here in the Atlanta area or in the Georgia area in the in the state of Georgia, for example, the Gold Dome is the capital or anybody outside yeah. of um Georgia that may be listening. But that You know, I've never thought of it that way. You know what I mean? Like you said, like, as much as we we say politics is local, and you, and as you keep saying, hyper, uh, I think hyper-local or focus or however you're saying and, yeah. I, and I love that term, you know, I mean, you're just now connecting that while somebody may hear you and say, well, it makes sense what he's saying, but I don't know if it really matters. And you're like, well, it may not seem to matter in the moment, but 15 years from now, 20 years from now, that very personal, you yourself could be thrust into move, running for a higher office where you in fact do have a lot of control locally where you can affect policy in your neighborhood. Cause at the end of the day, if we also say politics is local, it is ultimately, I always say the only definition politics really should have is equal self interest. And so you can't get more yes. self interest in your local neighborhood where you, as you say, Went up through the ranks, gained some type of influence, and you have to know that as much as we do feel like politics don't care that they politicians per per, per se don't care about us. What you are saying is, but well, we know who they absolutely care about. Those people they were engaged with along the way that supported them, that volunteered for them, that gave them money. Like that's who's getting taken care of. Before me, who's on the other end of the TV, just mad at all of them. So you know, an amazing point. If I've never made those connections, then I am gonna feel that way about all of them. If I've never been engaged on the local local level the way that you're encouraged the way that you're encouraging. Uh, let me give one quick thought uh, to the impeachment hearing. And for anybody out there listening, if you want to get in, the number is 464-787-1691. We definitely want your three cents on this morning's political discussion, which we rarely do on the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Um, I definitely agree with you. There's definitely too much time and money spent, in a sense, focusing on impeachment versus actual, in a sense, how to set themselves up, uh, in a sense, to compete in 2020, if you will. I actually get a Facebook Live and this second impeachment hearing, you know, just finally, you know, kind of roll out there with the whistleblower and how it was handled. And I remember saying this, and I want to hear your thoughts on this real quick before we go to the next break. I, I, on that Facebook Live, I literally said, "Well, you know, just from what I could see, from what was first coming out publicly and how it was being rolled out, you know, trying to read, we read, read through the narratives versus, you know, what's real, what's fake." When so looking at it, I remember and I, I talked to this one guy on Facebook Live, and I said, "I said." Looking how this looks, I said, I believe that even if there's a factual legal issue this time around, that it was too much money spent on the first impeachment, that, in my opinion, based on what I saw and read, lacked a lot of factual basis to go that far. And it got to the extent in myself that where they got overextended had already, in a sense, shot the bullet and had to go too far. I think halfway in, they could have, instead of spending $30 million, they could have spent $15 million, but they had went too far because that's how much they spent on the first time they went, in a sense, after President Trump. And so what I ended up saying, Horace, was this time around, if there's even more factual evidence, from a, in my opinion, from a political move, they've blown it with the first Chase, if that if that makes sense, like like this time you can't get it based on how you wasted your bullets the first time around without a lot of, in my opinion, fact based issues to after that yeah. impeachment. Any thoughts on that, King? Before we go to the next break.
3: Yeah, so I I I I agree in some aspect, but I also think you know because Trump is such a a, a character, I think that you know there is um a level of his own actions that, that could be detrimental to his own presidency, uh, that, you know, sometimes you just need to sit back and watch. Um, I think that one hundred percent they overinvested in the initial impeachment stuff. I I think that one of the things that we have to remember is that the Russian involvement, particularly in, in the election, you know, how you know, to whatever capacity it might have been, Cambridge Analytica, you know, him having conversations collusion or whatever. Um, The byproduct of it was convincing Americans that um, Trump was the right president for them through emotional swaying and, you know, advertising channels. Right. And so therein lies, you know, kind of the the underlying issue there is that it doesn't really matter, you know, how he's in peace. Like it, it changed the overall mentality around half of the, the country. I mean, the actual election process, was not rigged. How people got to the point of wanting to choose him might have been. And I think that that's where we needed to spend our time. It's like, okay, we know something was done that may have been completely illegal, may have not been warranted, and and yes, people need to be held accountable. But the big issue is that he still has a massive base that evolved from that. And this is not going to change that. (laughs) You know? Exactly. this This is not what's going to Change the minds of those people. So I don't know, you know, how those people got to, you know, and, and I'm not saying this because, you know, like I said, I'm not, I, I'm, it's not a part of the thing, but it's just, it's, it's a, it's a, 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 just me creating a comparison. How those folks got to Mars is, you know, can be up for discussion, but you can fight the path by which they got there, or we can focus on getting them back to earth. And I think that that's where we've messed up. I think
1: that there's been a nah, fight. No, makes sense. Nah, sense. get break, so what we do.
3: Yeah, uh, go we, ahead. Uh, let
1: me, let me, let me, no, not a problem, not a problem. We'll come back with those thoughts after the break. I definitely want to hear your thoughts on this Conor Allen Supreme Court case as well that the administration, in a sense, chose to engage themselves in. just want to hear your thoughts on that when we come out of break as well. listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Where all I ask is that you think you want to get involved this morning, 646- 787-1691. You will need to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think.
0: Square Business Entertainment brings you their latest hit, I Really Want You by Taylor Pace. Take a listen. I
2: really want, I really you. want you, but I can have, have you. I want to do I something.
0: I know that I can if you're loving this as much as I am, be sure to go to their YouTube page and subscribe. Search for Square Business Entertainment. They are also rewarding their fans with a new release every 30 days. Here's another one by Taylor Pace. Love Can't Define This. Love can define this. Can capture
2: all your sweetness and your kindness. Love can define this. We're crippled in love
1: with only blind well, love can us. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, aka Black Soccer Cheese. This morning's conversation with smart people, Horace Williams, founder of Empowered Mobile app help you get civic. Engaged into politics specifically locally, but you know who all learn you know, who all your elected officials are on all levels. So definitely highly recommend the Empowered app. Um, Horace, we he and I were just discussing the aspect of what's going on with the impeachment hearing. We were finishing up your thought. Go ahead, King. And again, I want to ask you some about you know your thoughts about the Donald Allen case afterwards. Go ahead, Ken.
3: Oh, Gert, So no, I was just saying that you know my, our our thing is is that you know we we can debate the process by how you know. Um, so many people got to the place of feeling like Trump was a necessity for uh, 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 for the presidential office. Um, or we can identify how to turn those folks back into or turn those folks into uh, supporters of, you know, the Democratic Party. And I think that we just there was just too much energy put into that initially. And I think that, you know, even if it was warranted, we have to be cognizant. You know, elected officials, that's their job. That's what they do every day. There's no, you know, that's like if I was, a, you know, go back to my original career. If I was a designer and I'm designing every day, I'm not, getting, I'm not getting the level of design exhaustion that somebody who might stand over me watching me do it would get if they had to sit there and look at me do it every day. And we have to be con- cognizant as a nation that the more that we put these things in people's face constantly and constantly and constantly, you create a sense of exhaustion. You know, and then they don't get to buy in because they're not seeing any progress. They're not seeing, you know, anything change. It just becomes this narrative that's ongoing. And that exhaustion just makes people disinterested. And then what happens is, and this is the really, really scary part for me, it makes people feel like they don't have control over a process that they really do. Because the more that you actually, you know, do this kind of stuff, the more you illuminate these you know, Illuminati theories and these, like, you know, and, and all other crapola that, you know, people, you know, lean on when they don't want to be involved in the process. You know, that to me is probably the scariest byproduct of overtly looking at everything as being a conspiracy, is that you disenfranchise people further because they think that they can't play a role in their democratic society, which is completely untrue. And And, and I'll leave it at that. But that is it's, 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 it's a really bad perception to create when we could have just been focusing on getting the right people uh, to run for office, which we're still trying to figure out. So, you know, God bless the process. Hopefully we get there. But, um, you know, and then. Nah, thanks a lot, King. I don't know. You probably realize I done dropped off
1: again. I got this robo caller <laughs> interrupting my call. Like, this is killing me. I'm like, how does it happen twice? Okay. <laughs> so for anybody out there listening we're literally doing the show we do the show from my phones so I do apologize thank you for holding, holding it down so I'm just jumping back in assuming that you figured out I was gone so so definitely jumping in thanks a lot Horace for uh, holding us down I uh, do apologize for everybody uh, for these technical difficulties they do happen from time to time but it's aggravating because it's a, it's a robocaller literally come calling in and it's messing up my phone call so I do apologize um um, but yeah, you can go ahead and finish up your thought. I definitely want to ask you about the Byron Allen uh, Supreme Court case again. Just what, what role have you, you know, in your opinion, that the administration has has played in it? Because I think it's something that that matters personally. But some people may see it different. You may see it different. And I definitely wanted to kind of hear your thoughts. We did a full out show um, about it, just trying to get people informed on the case back in September, because you know I was, it was kind of happening under the radar, and now it's you know full focus. And they just had the the, uh, the case um, Heard by the Supreme Court just the other day So any thoughts and, and did you realize how the administration Involved itself And I'm not talking about what I think is Positive or negative but just are you aware Of the fact that the administration Kind of piped in as this case Was going forward and what are your thoughts on that
3: So I've got Three very specific thoughts um, That are important um, One is uh Constituency involvement. Um, we just saw the power of the people in the Rodney Reed case, right? Um, and nice. uh, and and I think that that was. I think we like, that to me was so phenomenal. Like we, we, it took it took a lot of effort, a lot of people, a lot of involvement, but we kept a man from dying, being killed.
1: I donated right? my money. I donated my money.
3: Hey, listen, it was a
1: force because of. Yeah, because of technology sorry to interrupt you but I just want to throw it out because I know you have this app that helps. But, yeah. but I, it was through technology I was able to help a man I wouldn't have known about or heard about twenty years ago. Totally. I was able to help. You know, the I literally donated totally. my money just because it came across technology wise. Go ahead, King, I'm sorry.
3: No, no, it's 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 perfect and, and, and that excitement is, is warranted because like it's such a phenomenal thing. It's like this is the that's the beauty. Like our country has so many issues sometimes and you dive your nuts. But that's the beauty of it. The beauty of it is, is that if we do band together, we have the ability to be diplomatic in our approach to stopping injustice. Yeah. Yeah, okay? I like and that.
4: important. that is not, that's something
3: very important. Every, that, that's not something every nation can do. And so that's one point, because that's important, especially as we look at this case now with, with the Comcast and everything else. But that's, that's, just keep that in mind there, because, you know, uh, 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 civil involvement is is, is 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 it plays a major role in in, in these things. Um, and advocacy is not just about you know influencing policy. I mean, social media and everything else has made every trial a court of public opinion. So that's just that's one area. The other thing is, leave the Civil Rights Act alone. <laughs> Sorry, I just, just leave it. Just, just don't touch it. <laughs>
2: damn right in the story <laughs>
3: that's it i don't you know i put a period on that <laughs> don't really need to elaborate much on that like period. i'm with you i love it yeah i'm with you 100% 100% so, so, you know and, and listen and um and then lastly um you know it you know byron what, what's happening now is is, is historic um, I think that um, what he's doing is courageous. I think that um, it's we're at a place and, and this is where we all kind and, 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 you know, and I think that we, we've black folks, you know, I think one thing that we need to do sometimes is give ourselves more credit than we do. I think every day is right. a fight. And sometimes when we look down sometimes when you're always looking down fighting, it's hard to look up and see how far you've come. And, uh, and even when you run a business, like, with Empower, there are days that, like, like drive me nuts. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do this. Like, you know, get it. Just throw the whole thing out the window. But then I'll look at, someone will be like, will hit me up and be like, man, remember when we were just talking about it at dinner? Right? Like, just talking about it.
2: Right. right. You know, like, it wasn't right. nothing. It was just,
3: like, a conversation. He's like, and now right. you're mad because, like. You know, uh, uh, some uh, some hundred thousand investment income too. He's like, dog, like, <laughs> like, right? Like it, it wasn't even made three years ago. Hey, and, I and, and see you one hundred
1: percent. I'm I'm saying this because just just literally just happened to me. I had to remind yeah. myself, just not on a hundred thousand dollar level, but even you know on my level, <laughs> the 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 live experience just last night, right? The live yeah. experience that we have once a month, you know, is our, our engagement piece right that we have with the community club you know a lot comes from it i literally do the event i list out all of these 20 like actually 30 to I'm um, 30 to 40 industries that our community club is involved in letting new people know you join this club we can help you in these industries we have experts in these industries so i'm laying out the 30 or 40 um, you know, different industries, which is a pretty cool thing, right, just to, for a once-a-month get-together, right, that we can do that. That's a cool thing. So I'm gladly highlighting it, and I'm kind of thinking, why did only half the people show up today, though? You know what I mean?
2: Like, like while I'm yeah. watching
1: this amazing thing that we're able to come from a once-a-month coffee shop event, I'm going, why did half the people? Then I close out tonight, Get it? you know, I'm like, I need more. I got one member. I was like, just one member? Like, I'm doing that, but then I'm going, but tonight, and I close out tonight, and look at the donations, and look at it, I'm like, I did good today. Why
2: am I doing
1: that? Why am I spending time doing? So I'm just it just highlights the exact same thing you're talking about. Like even being hard on myself, but we are we absolutely do it to our own people as a collective. Go ahead, King. I'm sorry. Oh yeah,
3: no, no, it's okay. Listen, that's, that that, that, that I, I have that same invigorated inv- 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 passion around around that thought process as well because. You got to understand, my father, not my great grandfather, not my great great grandfather, my father, when he was a child, there were water fountains that said white only that he could not drink from. Wow. My father like this is right? perspective. Like, right. N- now Byron Allen is suing Comcast twenty billion dollars in the Supreme Court. Like you see you you know like that's, major. <laughs> like, that's
1: a major league. <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm going to give you. I had another another guest. <laughs> I had another guest on Conversation with Smart People by the name of Dwayne Dron. He said something that relates to exactly what you're talking about that highlights it. I never forgot it. I love sharing this part. He said it on this very show. Like So when you say that was your father, and now you have, as you're kind of highlighting, this black man that's suing for $20 billion. Like twenty million is would be dope, right? But twenty billion, and you're saying, "Hey, my father just came from that, and now we have this black man engaged in this civil case to, you know, twenty billion, right?" What he said on the show was what Dwayne Johnson said on on a particular show that we had him on was the, the concept of he says we don't realize we are the first generation, literally, with this opportunity. He says my father, it makes sense that them just, in a sense, surviving so that I could have a shot to do he And Duane has scaled a couple of million-dollar businesses, right, himself as a black-owned business owner. And he said, so it made sense that their whole focus was just, in a sense, surviving and ensuring that their children had a better opportunity. He says, based on where we've come from, that, that that's what our previous generation has done is a pr- appropriate next step based on where we are come from. But we're often comparing ourselves to those who didn't have those obstacles just 50 years ago, right? And so because of those comparisons, we're to say, well, black people don't do this and black people don't do that. And he was just saying, let's be realistic about the fact that and he said, as much as I would like to see us collectively think and do more of the things that, you know, again, we're talking about a multimillionaire doing the things that he's doing, he's like, I'm very realistic that I'm the first generation to get this chance.
3: Look, when I, I – and you you and I talked about this briefly on your on your feed, and I couldn't join the radio show where you were discussing it. We were talking about kind of all blacks sitting together. And I'll go up on a tangent, but I'm, but I'm not going to go that long, and I won't stay that long. But something that's very interesting is that because of uh, the disservice we've been done through slavery and otherwise, um, many of the historical components around our ethnicities and our backgrounds and where you know we are from have been are disoriented, and as a result, many of us can't effectively trace ourselves back to a particular culture. But what happens is is that um we all have some genetic differences even though our skin complexions are, are, are similar. Like black folks mm-hmm. are um you know, we are all we most come to find unison in having a similar enemy, not in all being similar. And I think that that is a pressure that we've put on ourselves as a community that no one else has ever done. Because when I was a kid, man, I'll give you a really clear example of this. When I was a kid and I was in high school. Hey, let me do this. Let's go to one quick break and come
1: back with the example, if you will. All right, no problem. Thanks a lot, King. We'll be
3: right back. You're
1: listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think.
0: Hey. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong?
1: Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour.
0: I like those. What's their IG?
1: At moneymotivation.co.
0: But do they have any ladies gear? Yes,
1: you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer TV. This morning's conversation with smart people, Horace Williams, founder of Empowered. Please go with your example, King. I'm, I'm loving this perspective because so, I already see where you're going, man. You're right. We've never seen so this we, pressure put on any other group other than ourselves. Go ahead, King.
3: Oh, absolutely not. Because I'll give you the When I was in high school, they had cultural clubs. <laughs> <laughs> and, of all things, and right? They had the Italian club, they had the Irish club, they had the, um, you know, the the, the the Chinese club, Japanese club, mm-hmm. and then they had a black club, which is African American club, and that was an all-encompassing club for a group of black folks. It didn't. We don't get into if they were Nigerian or if they were right. Kenyan or if they were you know, Jamaican, or if they were, you know, West African or South African, like, is it black? And that oversimplification of, you know, our community um, has an extra layer of complexity when it comes to why we feel like everybody doesn't always align on the same things at the same time. And I say that while also saying that despite that, we still do an extremely good job at coming together on things um, right. that other communities are not forced to do. Like, you know, like, they, 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 they you know, they they have managed, like, when you go to Chinatown, it's Chinatown. Like it's run by Chinese people. You know, we some right. ignorant folks out there may not, you know, may go there and, and think that, you know, it's all people from Asian countries. Asian, right. But it's not right, it, right. It's Chinese people. Like, fact, you let me know, like, tell is, you, let, is, me, let me jump in right here.
1: Let me jump in right here because and I've said this on the show before, but it's the perfect segue. 'Cause this is the this is what's coming to my mind when I hear you say this. So I literally was on a plane some years ago and at the time I was considering writing a book on race. And I don't think I'm ever going to do that book, but I definitely am two years behind on another book that I definitely owe the people, if you will. So, you know, just uh, I'll I'll dog myself out for that, though. But anyway, I was considering this one book, and so what I wanted to do when I was thinking about it was I wanted to have conversations with people of different, you know, racial backgrounds and things of that nature. And so I so happened to be um, on the plane. it was literally when I was thinking about the idea about this, you know, of all people, a Chinese American, right? Literally on the plane. And I just took the time to say, hey, here's the idea. What do you think? You know, what do you think of this or whatever? Because I would like to stay in contact with you if I go forward with this book. So she thought it was a great idea. So we obviously engaged in conversation. She literally said to me, and this is a highlight exactly what you just said. So as we were having this conversation, she says to me that. Um, and she's actually was like a – let me add this context, too. She kind of worked for Chinese advocacy as a part of a group, right? She was like a legal – like she might have been a lawyer or, or she, at least she worked on the legal end, right? And so that was her focus. That's what she works on in engagement with Chinese Americans. But she literally said to me that in their meetings how often they get to arguing about how they can't come together like blacks. I'm
2: mm-hmm. saying, so that, does that not highlight what the heck you're talking about? If if
1: you no. never heard it, but it blew my mind in the moment because I was able to, you know, kind of immediately go to the 1,000 view, you know, the 1,000, what do call it, the 1,000-feet viewpoint. And, you know, while I was shocked, personally, I was like, it, in that very moment, it made me get it. It made me get it. It's ridiculous for us to think, kind of what you're saying firsthand, right? The pressure that we put on ourselves, but to the outside world, when there's an issue, we do a, as you said, a great job of coming together, and actually other groups that we supposedly think come together in ways that we don't, and are actually admiring how we do it.
3: Crazy, yeah, right? That's, yeah, that's, dude, it's it's it's. You gotta like like i said when we when we go and we see each other and we find unison, you know we don't it, it, there's very we there's black folks don't at least in in, in my uh history I, you know black folks don't go up to other black folks typically if they if they're of the same complexion for the most part unless they're mixed if they mixed, they always ask you this shit, but I mean this stuff excuse me, but it's like you know it's like you like know what, where case. you know where are you from right like we we find our unison purely in 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 similar aesthetics. And then you know we find our passion and collaboration around you know you know similar adversity, but we still have a lot to do. And, and God bless the African American Museum in D.C. Like that, and then also the uh, the, the the museum the, is it in Alabama the one that that shows the um, yeah they just they just yeah they just
1: I erected mean, the yeah they just erected, the, um, yeah, they just worked, yes.
3: erected one in Alabama.
1: I forgot the yeah. exact name of it, but yeah, they did. It was just in Alabama, though. You're right. Uh-huh. I
3: mean, those things are so important to to us because they are true representations that identify the complexity, the beautiful complexities of our backgrounds, and that's something that we are just now getting a grasp of. So, like, I th- you know, i would be curious. The next generation, all the babies as babies now and how we bring that into their lives so they can start to learn more about their backgrounds than we ever did. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm interested in seeing how that manifests because there's so much more you can do with your future when you understand your past, you know, and uh, no, I No,
1: absolutely. And here's, here's always exciting. my fear because I'm always preaching it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So for those who are long time listeners, they know I'm going to latch on to what you just said. Here's my fear in the information age, Uh in, in, I and mean, we understand that this happens. It's almost like, um, you know, I don't want to worry the word too much information, but you know, to a certain extent, there's an easy opportunity to taste a lot of misinformation, whether it's emotional, whether it's pushed towards you, whether it's advertised to you. And here's the thing that I'm slightly fearful of is in the information age, when information is literally at your fingertips, it still concerns me that, as you mentioned those two you know, museums per se, it still concerns me that there's not, in my opinion, enough of a push for our next generation to know that history. And I I would offer that amongst ourselves as a community. Um, Obviously you say it, and I I definitely run in circles within the community, the Dollar community club that, you know, we're in a sense always saying it, but it, it, it gets met, in my opinion, with less concern. And I'm sitting here going, do you do you not get that it is absolutely vital to break away from everything that we co- that we complain about? That if our children know themselves, everything else will take care of itself. But I don't know that there's enough push for that. In my opinion, any thoughts on that, King? Since you brought it up, I love highlighting and jumping on that.
3: No worries. So I, I'll say this, and then I'll have to the, the, the sign off. Um, it's been a great conversation. The the biggest so couple of things that play a role here. One is is that I was taught. There's a woman. Her name is Anna Barber. She raised a ton of money uh, for the uh, African American Museum in DC. I met her. She's a wonderful human being, and she's phenomenally smart. Um, she taught me something that I tell something every something that I tell everyone every chance I get an opportunity. If you look at the African American Museum and you look at uh, the actual artifacts in the museum. Each one of them identify the donor, right? Um, one of the largest donors to the museum is Oprah Winfrey, not just from a capital standpoint, but from an artifact standpoint. And what oh, wow. something is very phenomenal about her is that she's taken her wealth and she's used it to be a purveyor of our history. So think about wow. that. Now, hold on wow. to that. Then think about this. Prince and Aretha Franklin died and did not leave wills and did not assign their estate to anyone. Imagine if Oprah Winfrey did the same thing in a house full of our historical artifacts. Oh, my goodness. Okay? Okay. So, identify. I don't even now. like the thought. I don't even like
1: the thought, brother. I don't even like the thought, but go
3: ahead. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like, so, you
1: just, like, that's, that's disturbing, right? Even, you know what I'm it is, it's disturbing it to even think about. You know, luckily,
3: Oprah won't do that, but it still disturbed me just to think about it. I'm just saying. I know, you know, exactly. So, 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 that's, that's so, just, and, and, I, and I mentioned that because of a couple of things. One is is that individually teaching our children. About their history, and this is just—it's it's another topic for another day. But manage your mm-hmm. estate. I don't care what you got. Make sure go to somebody when you die. You know, make sure it's you know because that is Critical. a huge problem in our community. Critical. So that and and, and, and that is a hundred and that's a very very important context that is missing for why people don't understand. It. Forget their history. People don't know anything about their granddaddy, right? Like I mean, right. like you know, or, or, right. you know, their mom passed. They don't know nothing about their mom's childhood. And these are things that if you've ever had a parent that dies, there will be times in your life where you were trying to figure out why you are the way you are, and you will have no contact, right. and it will be frustrating. So that is one thing. Then one thing that I think, and I'll sign up on this, the African-American Museum and the museum, and, I, and I, I've got to remember the name of the, uh, the museum in, in, in Alabama, but if you remember it, please post it. Uh, the, yep. uh, I'll look it up. One thing that they're so important that they do is they present our history in full context at a very high quality. And what that has done is that for me, as as an African-American man, uh, has given me a sense of interest in my past that I've never had before because I spent my entire youth going to museums that were almost hyper-focused on, you know, us being an incremental play in an otherwise whitewashed uh, historical uh, museum. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I knew more about dinosaurs than I knew about black folks. You see what I'm saying? And the thing is, is that, so we didn't have that. So when you're talking about people that's our age that are not passing it on, it's because there was nothing that we had growing up that created (laughs) an an organic interest. Like, I I always wondered why people were so excited about museums. I was like, they bore me to death. But But then I went to the museum in D.C. And I was like, I completely get it now. Because I can go there over and over and over again and not be bored. Because it's exciting to me because I'm learning about myself. I'm learning about my history. And we've not had that. And and I think that one thing that I would suggest everybody do is go to that museum. Because there's no way you can leave that museum as a black person and come home and not tell everybody to go to. You just can't. You don't, your, your brain is not going to let you. You're going to go there. You're going to spend all day in there. And then you're going to come home and you're going to want to take your kids. You don't want to take your right. little cousins. You don't want to tell your it family. Very your yeah, it's very necessary. Yes, very necessary. Very necessary. And, 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 and that will and that'll be what allows them to essentially at least start the process. Right? And I think that that will help, you know, what we're talking about. So those two things, which is the estate med- the estate planning and, right. you know, in, in, in making them aware of what's available now that you know what's available. At our age, we have to be proactive. It's our responsibility. We need to seek it out. At their age, they need to be inspired. And that's how we we fix all these issues, at least to some degree. That's where we start.
1: Well, that's the start, because what happens is we're trying to fix them without the foundation. That's why we're stu- that's why we're stumbling when we come up with solutions yeah. and don't do these two, couple of foundational things that you just mentioned. I think is um, what I'm looking. i I just looked it up real quick and tell me this is, It says Alabama's new memorial to lynching victims. Is that the one you're talking yes. about? Yes. Yeah. So I don't know if it's the exact name, but you know, anybody that's thinking about it or considering what you just reminded me of, I, I consider taking a middle our community club here in Atlanta and maybe going out there now, I will do it just hearing your passion. But before you go, I know you gotta go, if you will, I'm kinda of going past the break just to ensure that you get out your information for empower, because we obviously started talking oh, yeah. about how easy it is for people to get involved in civil engagement with the app that can literally come to their phone. So if you're gonna give out all of that information and send it to me and I'll repost it with the replay you know if you just got in you kind of missed what he has with this app but go ahead and speak to that and then we'll go to the top of the hour break but thanks for being with us as well ken go ahead
3: oh no i appreciate this so everybody it's called empowered spelled e-m-p-o-w-r-d it's spelled a little differently but you know we're a little different um and um you can download it on ios or android if you are an individual, you can download it, use it immediately. We pull up everyone that, you know, represents you from your local city council to, you know, the president of the United States, and we provide you several pieces of information around them. But most importantly, their contact information. Um, in addition, if you are an organization, a coalition, a group, or anybody that wants to mobilize around any kind of policy or local civic issue or agenda, reach out to us at questions at or me directly at Horace at Empowered.com, the same way that I spelt it, e m p o w r d And we have another platform, which is our civic advocacy platform that simplifies mobilization across large groups It makes it easy for you to tell the people that are working with you exactly who they need to engage uh, on any issue relative to their local elected officials to make sure that, you know, you guys have the kind of impact that you're looking to get. So reach out to us, uh, you know, with technology-enabled advocacy that's accessible for everybody. So Okay, sir. Uh, I love it. Send me everything. It'll be a, a, a
1: Facebook message so I can put it up as well so people could just go hit the links. Thanks a lot, King. You um you were amazing for everybody we're gonna go to it. That's a little music from our sponsor, Square Business Entertainment. We come back. It's an open call. I definitely need all the callers that are out there. We let's talk, let's open have an open discussion for the next hour. We'll see you after the next break. Thanks a lot, Horace. We'll catch you again. We definitely love bringing you on the show. All I ask is that you think. We'll
2: be right back. All right. Take in the mood.
1: back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Talker T. This morning's conversation with smart people has had an amazing hour with Horace Williams. Wish we could have kept the brother on a lot longer, but if you are on the phone line, please press 1. As we are trying an open call roundtable about whatever you want to discuss. There are things we didn't get to in the last hour with Horace that we can still bring up. Uh, We definitely mentioned the impeachment hearings that were going on, the Byron Allen case. Uh, Horace was pretty succinct on his thoughts on it and um matter of fact I'll kind of start there myself again hoping that I get engagement from you the mental dialogue truth seekers out there we definitely need you in this open hour we want to open up and discuss whatever we, we've tried this before we've done an open call just encouraging people to call in and just engage us in dialogue on things that you think necessary whether it be current events politics anything everything's open we definitely want to just get in and dialogue you can, you can go anywhere we've just been talking politics obviously you heard me and Horace in the last conversation talking about the importance of uh, and making sure that our youth understand history and legacy uh, history from the standpoint of simply knowing their history legacy from the concept of leaving uh, something for the next generation and I do agree with Horace uh, I think both of those two things are foundational to in a sense our progress as a collective I think that if we Figure out those two things, a lot of things will take care of itself. We're always in discussions about, in a sense, having a leg up from the previous generation. Quite often, all of our generations have, in a sense, started over due to a, in a sense, bootstrap mentality, a mentality in which, you know, you kind of live your life. In in, in a sense, and by not leaving something for the next generation, then the next generation is left to figure it all out, start over again, not only from a financial standpoint, but even from, a in a sense, human capital, if if you will, quite often. And so if if there is a legacy focus for you, specifically you and your family, if you could – you know, even starting with your generation, have a legacy focus and ensure that the next generation has something, uh, whether it be financial, whether it be a business, whether it be uh, even as simple as Horace just mentioned, if you were just listening to him, um, just even the artifacts to what happened in your family are, are, are the perfect example he gave us. You know, a lot of times where you're playing things out in your own life that had you had context of that your, in a sense, your grandmother, or your grandfather suffered from the same thing. You may have gotten help sooner versus discovering in your 40s or fifty, like, oh, this is why I'm this way, and maybe I should get help. You know, your life could have been very different. So, a lot of places that that can go. But I'm throwing that out there to say, here's why I agree with Har, is that those two areas are absolutely foundational, in a sense, from an individual standpoint. That ends up being the more individuals that do those two things opt to leave a legacy and opt to know where they come from those individuals will have a obligation to the collective that sometimes we're fussing and fighting about whether people are caring about one another quite often uh we you know we always get engaged in those back and forths So, again, here's my opinion on how those things are critical and vital and something that, again, constantly we speak to at Mental Dialogue. As I always tell people, uh, the answer is in the name itself, Mental Dialogue. If I can improve the conversation inside your own head, you will be better, and therefore the collective will be better. Well, I think part of the way to do that is to have a better perspective on where we actually come from as individuals. Uh, we un- we, as African-Americans, we specifically understand that, in a sense, there is a, I say, a gap in our history, gap from the standpoint of knowledge base. There is no gap in our history from a factual standpoint, but there is a gap in our history from a knowledge st- standpoint. So when Horace mentions, for example, those two museums and the opportunity, in a sense, to go fill that gap, if you will, then I agree with him 100% and is why I'm always encouraging all of our truth seekers that listen and anywhere you see me, I'm always encouraging that while going through the public school system, history in a sense may have been taught in a way that makes it boring. But Horace to me gave a perfect example of how he didn't like museums To a certain extent, he thought they were born, but he can't wait to go back one that showed him his history, and it became engaging at that point. So that is what I always say is the risk of our African-American children, for example, going through the public school system. I always try to tell parents, unfortunately, for the most part, our children in a public school, for the most part, will not see themselves, especially in history for example, but the reality is when it comes to the foundation of this country, not only did we help build this country, but we were critical in all aspects. I'm talking about science, technology, math. We were critical. We played critical roles that, unfortunately, quite often our African-American children will not find out in the public school system, and it becomes very important that as Horace just mentioned, that we are responsible to engage and ensure that they see our greatest ancestors that look like them that played a role in not just talking about building of the country, but show them exactly what role they played. Uh, it, you know, in just just this week, I was mentioning to someone about the aspect of, you know, in public school system, you know, you, you don't you shouldn't just learn about Uh, who invented the light bulb when you understand that someone had to invent the the filament first. So those two things are connected. So no way you should go through public school system and only learn about one of those inventors when they had to basically put the two things together to invent the light bulb. You know, one of them is African-American, but you only learn about the white man that invented it. For example, I'm just saying this is a small example of how history is already there. There is no gap, but it is imperative since we know the school system is not going to teach it fairly or fully in that manner. It becomes extremely important that we as parents please ensure your children see themselves in history. It matters. It matters in major ways. If you're out there listening and want to help engage in this morning's discussion, because I don't want to do an hour of just talking myself. That's not what we do at Mental Dialogue. It's not a dialogue if it's just me monologuing. Again, I'm trying to take it there. I see some callers out there, but if you want to help get into this discussion, any topic is open for this open call, please press 1 and let me know that you want to engage in this discussion because, again, I do not want to carry the next hour alone. I am hoping that the callers that are out there listening will please get in and engage in this conversation. If you're online listening, the number to get in, 646-787-1691. Again, that number six four six seven eight seven. 646 787 One, six, nine, one, definitely. I'm looking for, your calls, your support, the truth seekers. I haven't heard y'all the last couple of weeks. A couple of weeks ago, everybody was calling it. I can't remember. We must have had a hot and heavy topic a couple of weeks ago. But, again, um, I always tell people the conversation with smart people, in my opinion, is the opportunity quite often to learn the most because we meet meet these amazingly unique people. The last hour, Horace Williams his brother has taken his IT background and created the Empowered app literally a application that helps you get more involved in politics especially on the local level i think that is an amazingly brilliant idea you know if you think about even that concept uh, to a certain extent if, if people are you know a lot of people can in a sense sit around and complain about how involved or not involved we are when it comes to politics. But well, clearly, this 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 brother came up with a solution and has created this amazing app in power where you literally can go on the app, see who your local officials are. And when I've had him on before, we didn't get into that a lot this morning. But when I had him on before, he talked about how basically, for he always talks about like the homeowner association if you if you're in one of those. But he talks about how uh, at a certain meeting, certain things came up, and people were able to kind of go to the app and say, hey, here's an issue we're having in our section or our sector over here, and, you know, they could have looked it up another way, but now it's at their fingertips, with a, you know, at an app, and they were able to engage that particular um, civic leader for that area. Uh, go to, you know, one individual end up going to lunch and forced a relationship simply because it was right at the fingertips of their hands. So I think it's an uh, amazing app. I love highlighting um, our brilliance. So I think that app is a, an opportunity to highlight our brilliance because we are involved in so much more than you are, in a sense, learning the public school system or even see out here um, from a mass media standpoint. The one thing that I think we all love about social media is the aspect to learn about our brilliant sisters and brothers out there who are doing things that you're not going to see on mainstream media. Got a caller that wants to get in. I'll go to a quick break. When I come back from the break, we will get you in, 502-LAST-3283. We definitely want you to engage in this morning's open call for our conversation with smart people. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Karate for Children is offered every Sunday at Mount Vernon Presbyterian Church Gymnasium from 2.45 to 4.15 p.m. for ages 5 to 14 years old. Children will learn Japanese karate as well as self-defense prevention skills to handle today's situation. Like bullying and child abductions, for only $10 a class, children will gain confidence, self-control, and focus all while having fun and getting good physical fitness. There are no bench warmers because everyone participates. Come join our family every Sunday at 471 Mount Vernon Highway, Northeast, Sandy Springs, Georgia, 30328. For more information, call B-Champs at 770-643-1286. Again, that number is 770-643-1286. Welcome back to the Better Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host Montoya Smith, A.K.A. Black Socrates. If you do have a child in the Afrietta area, please call B Champs. Get them up to speed. I always, I grew, up, I was a boxer in college, so I always think it's definitely nice to, in a sense, to have children to have the confidence to defend themselves and be able to use, uh, you know, their their ability to have confidence and so that nobody messes with them, if you will. So definitely, I highly encourage you to call. Be we actually have a caller that wants to get in on this open call. Area code 502 last three two eight three. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's open call to the Truth Seekers. Thanks for calling in.
4: Hey, Montoya, this is Brand House. How are you? Hey, what's up, B-Funk?
1: Thanks a lot for, for getting in with us, King. What you got for us, man? It looks like you've been listening for a minute. Anywhere you want to go, King, it's an open call. We're just, doing, well, we're just rocking for the second hour, man.
4: Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I came in on uh probably about the last ten minutes of, of the your last uh guest. And uh just as I was coming in he, he spoke to something that I think about a, quite a bit is <clears throat> you know, it's three times in in my lifetime where I specifically look at and and think, Man, I have not asked my family enough questions about you know, uh, mm-hmm. our past and, and what they know about even just our local history, our familial history. You know, um, mm-hmm. it, there are gaps in there where you hear things. That's kind of how we hear stuff going up. growing up. We never get it fully And And one of them was really interesting, man, it just came out of nowhere. And, and it's what clued me into so I was about 16, 17, gra- driving my grandmother around who had never learned to drive. She was going to a doctor's appointment in downtown Louisville. We drove past which is iconic in Louisville and in the downtown area is uh Philip Morris, which is right across the street from the Philip Morris factory, uh, right across the street from Brown Foreman, which makes uh, maker's Mark. And, uh, so it was always a joke, you know, for us young people, the, the bums go there, they get their cigarette, uh, they go on the tour at <laughs> Pillar Moore's get their free cigarettes, go on the tour at Brown Forman, get they, they sample of uh, Maker's Mark, you know.
1: That'd be like, that's for the day, that But that is hilarious.
4: <laughs> but, you know, there was a house on 18th Street, well, well 18th Street ran across along the uh, west side of uh, uh, Brown and that was a border, and it went all the way uh, of uh philip morris and it, it went from 18th street to 26th street i guess it is i want to say it is and, and i might be wrong about mm-hmm. that but about a block up from 18th street there was a red house and uh, philip morris had a wrought iron fence around it and a, but that red house the the wrought iron fence went around that red house uh keeping the red house on the outside of philip morris's property and my grandmother wrote okay. past i'm like that's funny that they my i asked my grand, or i told my grandma that's funny that they put that uh fence around that house like that she's like oh yeah mr jenkins when they uh, built this place he didn't want to sell his house and he fought for it and they ended up saying we're not going to worry about this we're just going to build around it you know what i mean and to me, wow. that gave me a huge sense of defiance. You know what I mean? And standing right. up for your rights. And, right. And it was just so. You think you've been living it all
1: your life without even understanding the context of why that existed?
4: Exactly. Something that seemed so minuscule, it was very empowering just to hear her say that. And and Absolutely. as as moving as it was for me, it was also something that said, man, she knows more than I think she does. Cause you know, you think some, <sighs> she don't know how to drive. She's in her yeah. uh, late ages. She she's kind right. of weak. I feel like I gotta take care of her. But she she has so much to offer that I was overlooking. And uh, that, that's true. just always been moving to me. um, No, that's very critical. I mean, you're
1: speaking to, and and you were like that at that time because you're in your teenage coming-of-age years and you're trying to tell all your parents, I'm an adult now, so you're absolutely not thinking or, or even realizing what you're missing by not having that type of engagement. So it makes sense that that's how you, you know, to a certain, if you look back on it, you unfortunately did that, right? We unfortunately do that in our teenage years. You know, missing out on opportunity. Go ahead. though. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just, I just wanted to put in context. I understand why you were thinking that way, and it, it, you were taken aback from that very moment. Go ahead, though. Being, I love, I love the story.
4: Go ahead. But, but yeah, I think it, it also uh, just encouraged me to start asking those questions. My grandfather, um, mm-hmm. and, and this isn't one of them, but it just made me think about. My grandfather uh, was uh, owned a a um, a pool hall at the edge of one of the projects in louisville and and you know i look back now i'm thinking what about all the stories he would have about that community They call it Smoketown these days but mm-hmm. um what about the stories he had my mother tells me we li- uh when i was born we were in um, uh, beach of terrace projects which bordered the downtown of louisville and she talks about you know you could see the downtown when they first opened up the theater uh, to black people, when she was a kid, she went out there. They were all dressed up. She went to the theater, standing on the corner, and some uh, white kids drove up on the corner and spat on her. Man, and you think about, oh, man. you know, now you so now you're seeing in your in your own family how you connected to this history because you know we so right. sanitized from a few days, and my right. daughter's even more sanitized. You know what I'm saying? Right. And you don't think so you about gotta, the things you that, you, the that story. they've endured.
1: You gotta tell your daughter the story,
4: right? And, and so that's what she gets all the time. She, you know, she rolls eyes a little bit. I'm like, man, ask your grandmother these questions. Ask about what it was like, you know, uh, growing up in Louisville at those times. And, and you know, uh, where we live now is Muhammad Ali Boulevard, but. um before it was Muhammad Ali Boulevard. Nobody gave a daggone about that that area. You know, it's
2: right. Muhammad
4: Ali Boulevard, just like MLK. You know, they put it in the worst parts of the town. Yeah, anyway, you know yeah, right,
1: right, right,
4: right. And 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 the, the, the last thing I would say so, I, so there was I said there were three things in, that you know Mm -hmm. clue me into i don't know the history the way i think it is the two other ones were my mom and my grandmother and the other one was Mm -hmm. and i always tell young people and you know how big i am in the education man
2: yeah
1: absolutely absolutely
4: uh get outside your mama's zip code and see something you know uh whether you think you live everybody's living like you or nobody's got Mm -hmm. it as bad as you you know get outside your zip code and it gives you a whole nother perspective and uh, I had the uh, the amazing opportunity through my military career to visit the uh, demilitarized zone, and along the uh, DMZ in Korea, separating North and mm-hmm. South Korea. And to right. make a long story short, the tour guide and uh, I, I asked her, and it was about six of us around. I asked her, you know, what? Uh, do you have any family in the in North Korea? She was like, of course I do. I've got family that I've never seen before. Family that my fa- oh, wow. my family. South Korea talks about and then this is where she got emotional about it and she said you know
2: Mm -hmm. we're
4: not separated because because we assume they don't like each other we assume they don't care about you know if you don't know and it but she says we we didn't choose the split like this Um, this was because of you and she pointed to each of us who were uh, Americans obviously But, you know, right. it, and it was Russia and the U.S. who ran the Japanese out of there. And I had to go back and look this up. I'm like, what's she talking about? You know, and, uh, no. and I'm going to leave some gaps in this history. But <laughs> Russia and the U.S. ran the Japanese out. And then they didn't want to give up the country to one or the other. So they said, let's just split it. Uh, and obviously, right. that's the But but right. But they split it right there. And now... These people, you know, they had a certain amount of time to go one way or the other, and these people, you know, are uprooted from their history. And you don't know that if you're not talking to all sides of history. And that's what, you right. know, this whole, to bring it all and, 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 yeah, like what you, Yeah, I
1: see how it relates because, you know, I mean, what you're saying is a simple conversation on the local level. You're just trying to, I think if I'm hearing you correctly, you're just reiterating how it's right around you that you're actually connected to this thing that you think you don't even care about or it doesn't affect you or you're saying going from, you know, you find out from her, it forced you to realize, you know what I mean? Like, okay, I'm playing this role and I'm here, but you're not even realizing the history to that role. And the only reason it, you found it, it, out was because through, somebody yeah. locally told exactly. a story. I'm sorry, go ahead though. Now please.
4: No, no, you're right. I'm sorry, I, but and that's it. You know, I, I, we say it's two sides to the story, but it's actually three, four, five sides to the story. And Absolutely. unfortunately, we like to Absolutely. say the spoils go to the victor. You know, uh, history is written by the victor, and you know those who, uh, who 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 uh, are able to live and write the story. You know, and and that's why you know for young people, get outside your mama's zip code. I got uh, a and, and see the world. From a different perspective, um, I got a book in my my living room on the uh, the uh, coffee table, and it's it's uh, two centuries of Black Marvel, and, uh, and and I read through that, and it gives me a lot of pride. But there is also that piece, uh, and, and I guess maybe the, the moral to it is, like you said to me, I have to, we have to, they have to tell those stories to make sure the gaps are filled from what we see in these books, what we see in these Absolutely. museums and and, and for somebody the, the Oprah uh input. Um we have to have uh people like that continuing to contribute and and influence history. You think about it, the people who uh you always say, uh I, I used to say great philosophers are philosophers are people who ain't got no no money and nothing to do or a whole lot of money and nothing to do, but not in the middle because we hustling. You know what
2: I'm saying? Right. (laughs) And that's kind
4: of what art is. That's what art is, too, you know, in history, you know, the artifacts of it. We're so worried about producing right now that we don't focus on, uh, you know, continuing the legacy uh, a lot of times. And I, I spoke to an author at my shop the other day. He's an educator. And he said, I have to force myself every night to sit down, and, and not every night, but when I know I have to, I have to sit down and write. Um, you think about these impeachment hearings people sat down because they had value in the things that they were thinking and wanted to continue it on. They sat down and wrote down. After meetings, they would write down, um, you know, the right. the Records events of the meeting. You know, diaries, uh, you, you go back, if we wouldn't know half about what we know Thomas Jefferson and, and uh, Martin right. Luther King, if we didn't have their writings where they sat down and took the time to think about. Right. You know, we say diaries are private and they're therapeutic. But they're also a legacy, too. We actually want people to find out about them at some point. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. And, I, you know, and and as I a writer, I definitely important. want to I I want
1: I want to. be way more famous than what I'm, I'm
2: going <laughs> <Right>. to <laughs> like, like, Right. Because I don't even put it on But I definitely want people to find it.
4: Right. Exactly, man. That's real. And Frank. I got another caller, but she... I, want to, I want to share a story. Oh, no. Okay, oh,
1: yeah, go ahead. No, finish. finish. Yeah, finish.
4: No, I was just going to say, who was Anne Frank, Anne Frank writing to? But she spoke to a world when uh, we finally found her notice, you know what I mean? Yep. I love it. That's a great thought.
1: Hey, I'm going hey, to share one story back with you for before the conversation. I get... man. Yeah, no, absolutely. I want to get – this is an open call, man, so I'm just kind of letting people run. But I want to give you at least one story back before I get to Brother P. I. who's on the line. i got a break. I'm going to break, too. But so I, I love those stories. But I, I definitely have intentionally sat down – with my, you know, my grandma, my grandfather, you know, before they passed, and my grandfather on my dad's side is still living. And I just, you know, they've told me many of the stories, but it was one that really stood out because it was the first time I chose to do it with my grandfather on my, on my dad's side. I said, you know, I want to be intentional about this. And um, my grandfather owned like a muffler, shop, a muffler shop for a lot of years or whatever. He worked, you know, worked another job, and then he, you know, worked, you know, side hustle, or, you know, turned it into a full-out business. Um, and I, as a young man, I didn't even realize that ain't all he did. You know what I mean? Like when I was coming up, I didn't realize he was working a whole other job. I just thought he just did the muffler shop stuff when I was young. I would actually go help him in everything, not, you know, not knowing that this ain't all my grandfather did. You know what I mean? But anyway, long story right. short with that, um, my my grandfather every day, I, you know, I knew when it was time for the break, go get him his Pepsi. Right, boom, because he, he, you know he had the muffler shop, and then, you know he sell, so, you know, like in the, in the actual main office, he would sell little snacks. As a kid, I'm loving it because he used to, I'm the so I'm getting all the snacks, I want for free, right? So I'm loving going to work with my grandpa, going to work with him or whatever, right? But at a certain time when it was break, I knew I had to go get him that cold Pepsi, right? Because every day right. he drank a Pepsi or whatever, right? So he ended up telling me why he drunk a Pepsi every day. Never, never you know, never thought of it. I just thought he loved Pepsi. So when I sat down to talk to him about history, he ended up telling me about, like, when they first were trying to, you know, uh, integrate the uh, pool, for example, in the, in the town. They go, you know, they go do a little protest. To, and this is a little small town. So nothing famous in no book or anything like that, right? But they try to go integrate the um, pool. So they go and protest. He say, how about the next day? The, this is my local little small town in South Carolina. They literally filled the pool up with sand. Shut it down before they would actually swim with black people. Mm. Just shut the whole pool down. Like, so that's the history, right? But back to the Pepsi story. So when he was um, working, he was working this couple here, I think if I remember correctly, he had to make these runs at this certain job he was making or whatever. And he had went to this one store and... Uh, based on the job, sending him there. But this one store was treating him bad because he was an African-American, you know, young man doing this run or whatever. But um, but he the first time he goes to the store, he's going there, and they had, um and, as a matter of fact, it was a Coke, not Pepsi. But he went to go until he goes in the store. So while he's waiting, they got Cokes for sale. He goes to reach into the thing, and a white man comes up he's a, and says, hey, boy, get your hand out of there and he couldn't buy a Coke. Mm. So when he got his own business and got his thing, he literally put that in there, and he never forgot that. And because of it, he said, it's probably bad for my health now, but that's why he drunk a Coke every day.
4: That's an act of defiance and empowerment. Yes, right, simply because
1: that day that dude grabbed his hand and says, put that back, you can't buy that Coke.
4: And that's amazing,
1: Amazing story. Amazing story. Amazing story.
4: I know you got to go, and I'm going to say this. Our, our uh, grandfathers and grandmothers, they are reluctant to tell their stories a lot of times. I heard from my grandfather's best friend that he uh, uh, got a tryout for the uh, Cincinnati Reds in Homestead, mm-hmm. Florida, and they both did. And he did not he didn't go. His best friend did. He didn't go because he was afraid to drive through the South, man. And, you know, wow. even that is empowering to say, you know, how would his life have been different had he stepped up to that? And I don't – you know how we talk, man. We don't pass up opportunities. You know what I'm saying? And
2: Absolutely. And you know knowing
4: that. that story is is part of that too. We, though, Yes, it, as as minuscule as it might be to buy a Coke or whatever it is, that stuff is mm-hmm. important, man. Very hey, thanks, maybe, man. I appreciate this. Because, kind of no, no, I love
1: it. Because you know, what you're ultimately saying, let's close it out with this and we'll get to the break and go to Brother Fiyaki next. But what you're ultimately saying is, even when for people out there listening, for you or I, see, when we learn this story of our family, so I become more obligated to do what the hell I'm supposed to do. When I, yes. when I found out that's, what, that's why my grandfather drunk a Coke every day. I become more empowered right. to make sure you know, why his act of defiance, that I take it to the next level after hearing that story. Because I'm just thinking he
2: loved Coke.
4: And that's the legacy. It builds, you know, with the next generation. It builds when you tell those stories. Yeah, absolutely builds when you tell the story.
1: Now, a beautiful conversation, King. Thanks for calling in. Let me get to a quick break, and uh, we'll get to Brother Pianca, the other caller out there as well. Thanks a lot, King. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mr. Donald Talk Show. All I ask is that you think.
0: Babe, hey, where did you get that hat and t shirt? I like that.
1: Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right?
0: Yes. And I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh?
1: That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most. It's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out.
0: If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong?
1: Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour.
0: I like those. What's their IG?
1: At moneymotivation.co.
0: But do they have any ladies gear? Yes,
1: you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, Pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Highly recommend that you go to moneymotivation.com, longtime sponsor I love their gear. I wear it all the time. You wanna you know get wanna look fresh. You know, they say you, you know, you look good, you play good. Same thing when you in a sense, chasing that bag, you definitely wanna look the part. Money motivation definitely helps with that. Highly recommend that you again go to their website, moneymotivation.com. dot com, become a mental law supporter or member and receive discounts on all of their gear. This is an open call to all the callers. I got brother Pianky, long time caller out there on the line. I'm going to open it up for other caller. 850- last three six zero zero. If you want to get in on the discussion, please press 1. We will get you in on this open call for the second hour of our conversation with smart people. Brother Piyaki, how you doing, King? Thanks a lot for calling in. Give us your three cents on this morning discussion. You can take it anywhere you want to go for this open call hour uh, this morning. Thanks for calling in, King.
5: Well, I really enjoyed it last caller. I would like to have a dialogue with him on education and he talked about his, his, his uh, you're talking about the grandfather and he's like a coke you know uh, years ago used to tell people that the, during the advent of VHS video cameras and that that should, they should do a video interview of their grandparents and uh, let them put on video their life story and the experiences that they have had coming up through their life uh, using now, brother, that type P. of technology. Me
1: and, and, the, me and my girl I call my sister, we've said this is, that's our idea, and you're going to put it out on the air for everybody, man. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that, Brother P. <laughs> <laughs> she just had a newborn baby, so we was putting it on hold. Now you just told everybody our secret. Now, go ahead, King. Oh everybody should do it, regardless. I'm, I'm being funny, but we definitely are considering opening up a business focused on that. But just throwing it out there. But go ahead, King. Though no, absolutely. And you know it's another great thing, idea. Everybody has to do it. Should do it.
5: And you know another thing. Uh, black kids have to be introduced to these new innovations real early. I remember uh, years ago decade or so ago when drone technology became available right and i used to uh, talk to groups and talk to people say get your young people involved in this get them involved in this from the learning aspect and uh, i was just looking through atlanta i guess you can say the yellow pages on drone service and there's a lot of services but i don't know how many of them is owned by african-americans and how is this available? How is this valuable? Well, you know how to use it. They can use it for photography in mm-hmm. real estate. And I imagine you got a lot of African-American real estate agents that will use this uh, innovation t- in order to help spur their sales and promote their businesses. And that in itself is a market for upcoming black businesses in that particular technology. It's very lucrative. And it's something that they should get involved in more so than others. And you know what it leads into? I'm starting, teaching my, I want my grandson to be a pilot, a general aviation pilot. But now, a lot of the uh, prelude to that starts with drones. You know, the ground school Mm -hmm. learning and so forth. And it's not expensive. Some of these things only cost $99. What if you had a school like oakland youth first out there in oakland california where uh, matthew graves uh, put together a saturday and community learning center where he has like a dozen or so flight simulators where he has young people mm-hmm. come in and you know let them have at it because you never know what inner abilities that that child have just suppose you had that for aviation then you went over to another uh, building where they had something that. Hey, did you know that there's a, a large rodeo African American rodeo group out there, and it's ran by women, black women. Did you know that? I
1: I, um, I didn't know the one by the one run by the women because I supported the other the black rodeo that comes to Atlanta from time to time, but I wasn't familiar about the one that was ran by women because women, I, I. But we our community club has literally supported the black rodeo that comes here, but it's not ran by women. So no, I didn't know about that one particularly.
5: So that there is a part of a business, an industry that a young, young blacks can get into veterinary science. That's an industry mm-hmm. that needs their techniques. I mean, it's it's unlimited. You know, when we was kids. Yeah, endless,
1: endless opportunities. Now, endless opportunities. I will tell you, just because you, you said it, and I know you'll be glad to hear this, one of mm-hmm. my members, um, he Runs a drone business, and then I have a, another associate. He's not a, actually a member of the Metropolitan Club, but he's very versed in the uh, photography for the drone because he uses it for videos and things of that nature. So, you know, here in Atlanta, you definitely have some African American owned naturally, just due to you know due to the numbers and demographics. To share that with you, I'm also going to give you a quick highlight: eight five zero last three six zero zero. If you're trying to get in, please press one. But I'm going to do something real quick because you're talking about aviation and. Just to do this, I'm going to connect you and Grant, who was just on, because he literally just retired as an Air Force uh, pilot, um, and he um, still flies um, commercially or whatever. And so just because just it's an opportunity and it's an open call, we're going to do what we want this morning. I'm going to pull him back on the air, because I'm, I'm pretty sure something you said may have sparked, sparked something in him, and I'm going to roughly pull him back on the air and hope he's cool with that.
5: Yeah, that's hey, cool, Brent, man. You're you good.
1: Know. Can I can I get you on King, or you are you just listening? I don't want to mess you up if you're doing something else.
4: No, I'm here for you, man.
1: Nah, sounds good. So I just, it just so happened, you know, Brother Fiocchi, who always calls, is kind of talking about stuff in your wheelhouse. So I'm, I'm actually interested in what you heard because he was, he would be interested in having a conversation with you. So, hey, while the opportunity is here, let's just do it on this open call. But any thoughts about what you heard Brother Fiocchi mentioned? Because I think those are excellent ideas and I'm pretty sure they hit home for you based on your personal background. So, um,
4: my first assignment in flying was in North Dakota. Um, I flew uh, Air Refuelers KC-135. Can you hear me okay?
5: You coming through clear? Yeah, please. I
4: can. Absolutely. Okay, and, and KC-135s Air Refuelers. We refuel planes in the air. Um, just and they've been there for 50 years. Just this, uh, probably six or seven years ago, they moved those. Uh, they replaced those KC-135s, the air refuelers, with uh, drones. The drones you hear about in the uh, military. Oh,
2: that wow. They, they would,
4: So the they one of the biggest aviation schools, uh, North University of North Dakota, in the country,
0: uh, is
4: right there in that area of Grand Forks, North Dakota. Um, <clears throat> the so and they had to change, um, or. Evolved their, their educational programming to support drones because now their city was supported by a air force base that was transitioning to drones. They wanted to, uh, they, they saw the writing on the wall and said, Hey, this is a a burgeoning industry. The last Mm -hmm. time I was up there, I was just as a civilian in 2016, they had 26, uh, Drone companies in this small area that you never heard of. Wow. Some, some of the people were using drones to, uh, and they also make one of their industries up there is making the windmill blades that you might see driving down the highway, huge blades. Right. You know? But they, one of the, uh, one of the businesses that I remember the drones would go up and inspect the, uh, the blades of, um, of these windmills. And, um, the other one was a young lady who had a business. She would go down in the tunnels and inspect pipes um, that were running under the ground for uh, for the utility uh, system. So there's all kinds of ways that it, that people are using these uh, drones in the civil community. And uh, I just really thought that was interesting. Uh, on the pilot piece, you know, my company, I fly for United Airlines now. Um we have just launched a um a way to connect with pilots even in high school. Uh so that they because the 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 uh pilot uh industry is hurting for pilots. We're unable right, to pilot, keep up absolutely. with the retirement. The we man, have a pilot
1: shortage. Right.
4: Exactly. And if you don't feel that, you know, that's the competing uh, um, industry that is, you know, the actual manned aviation and unmanned aviation. If, if you can't feel them, my philosophy is the, we, you know, uh, the need is going to, going to say, we still got to fly these planes. Can we fly with one pilot? Can we fly with no right. pilot? And so right. that is, you know, two competing interests right there, but... Yeah, so great opportunities in uh, the aviation industry on both sides.
5: Yeah, and, and, you know, you're absolutely right. The school I was th- thinking about was up in Iowa, Idaho, I believe it was, at that time. Wow. This was decades ago. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I I used to have to say, get black kids involved in this. Get them involved in this. And it's it's not that difficult. You know, Right. I don't know how you learn to fly, sir. When I learned you know how much it cost me? Four hundred dollars at the time. Uh for wet flying where you have an instructor in the plane with you, the plane, the fuel for the plane and the instructor was about forty dollars an hour at that time. And uh <clears throat> you know, you look back on those things and say, Man, I wish I could have uh, got more people involved, so on and so on, so on. But the opportunity is still existing now. The Bureau of Labor Statistics the Bureau of Labor Department Bureau of Labor Statistics say it's going to be over a 400,000 personnel shortage in commercial uh, airline aviation and also in the military.
1: Yeah, well, I'm just saying, you know, and and then what I love about the opportunity to even listen to both of you speak on this and i am I both both of y'all are long-time listeners, you know, and, you know, when I can throw it in there You know these shortage areas can be, and I'm always saying it. These should be our new NFLs, our new NBAs. In in the standpoint of how we, in a sense, can oversaturate in these areas that our children obviously see on TV. But it literally only takes. Interest and putting them in early Like you said, Brother Pianki, Because these things will take care of The next generation in itself The last hour with Horace Williams The first hour guest We were talking about two foundational things And I I love the fact I think it's coming full circle to reiterate That as an individual If you have a concept of leaving something For the next generation And knowing your history to know where you're from A lot of things will take care of themselves So opportunity to take advantage of well, I should say this to take advantage of the opportunity both of y'all are speaking to literally allows people to do that very thing Brant, who I went to school with who was you know again retired from the Air Force he's absolutely going to do that for his child just by taking advantage of this industry and filling out a career his, his daughter will not be starting over period.
5: Well, I tell you, uh, I'm happy to be able to speak with this gentleman. I'm happy for what he – and, you know, sir, you got you are very valuable. You know, if if, uh, if it was up to me, I would take you all someplace and lock you in a room because the knowledge that you have and experience more so is very valuable for creating a thousand more just like yourself so that it can become, like you said, Montoya, the next NBA, the next NFL. This is something we have to do.
1: Yeah, like, you, you, I, did, you, really... did you just did you just
5: say you wanna did you just say you wanna breed Brent? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. But uh, I see where your mind is at 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, didn't even so that. It's just, just, it's just.
1: I'm thinking about that history thing, and you know, you know. Speaking of those gaps, that's a very unfortunate part of American history that nobody ever really talks about is the fact that, unfortunately, we, uh, uh, in a sense, we were bred to be the athletes that are now filling the NBA and NFL. Now we want to take break. You know, we, we want to, we want to, we want to clone branch mine and can put more kids to be grow up to be like him actually i got the other callers out there wanting to get in y'all so i'm gonna go ahead and let both of you go but thank y'all for helping me hold down this open call have more like, oh, this.
5: like this have more sessions like this Montoya, where okay. people can bring you sure information. if you
1: think yeah if you think this works Then I'll definitely I just tried it you know to be honest and be very you know I'm very candid we're a family show so I unfortunately my second hour guest wasn't able to come on so that's kind of how I've done it just a couple of times but now that you say this as a long time listener I will intentionally evolve more open call hours you know what I mean maybe I'll just feature one guest and open up the second hour to do this very thing because I'm enjoying the second hour. You know, probably more than y'all are, just to be able to say, hey, you know, go anywhere. So thank both both y'all for um, calling in. Let me get to the next you. caller. Thank again. No, thank y'all. Keep up
4: the good work, man.
1: Appreciate you, King. All right, next caller. I'm gonna go to one last break, and then we're gonna get you on eight five zero last three six zero zero. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. If you have a product or a service that you would like to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, please call me directly. Again, that number is
2: 404-604-9477.
1: Thankful to the current sponsors, Square Business Entertainment, Money Motivation, The Champs, please become a supporter of what we do. If you don't have a product or service, you can also support us at mentaldialogue.com. Individually, if you're in the Atlanta area, we encourage you to become a Mental Dialogue member, $9 a month as a supporter, only $5 a month to keep intelligent radio on the air. We definitely try to be your place of solace away from the mainstream media. Um, if If we deal with the mainstream media, Mainstream media issues Because we hope to come with different perspectives That you're not hearing in the mainstream But a lot of times um, With everything that's going on We like to be a place where intelligent people Who like to stay out of the fray We want to be your source of media So definitely become a supporter of mental dialogue Let's go to our next caller Who's helping me hold down this open call hour Area code 850-LAST-3600. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's open call. Thanks a lot for being with us.
6: Good morning, Montoya. This is Ephraim Abdullah Realtor out here in Potter Springs, Georgia, long-time Mental Dialogue member and proud supporter. I'm just enjoying the conversation going on this morning.
1: Now thanks for being with us King. You, you know I definitely I've had you on as a conversation with smart people so again I think I have the smartest audience in all of radio. And so I definitely appreciate um your support. Long-time supporter. This is, this brother is actually a a gold member, high level supporter. So again I mentioned a, a a couple of levels but you can go a little higher if you want. And so I definitely appreciate um your support uh for, for a long time. But yeah, just any thoughts out there. It could be any anything you want to talk about, man. It's an open call. We we don't have a subject matter that we have to, to go with, but any thoughts, anything you are seeing currently in the news uh that you want to speak on, man. We just we just we just chopping it up for these last ten minutes.
6: Yeah, I was um uh, looking I was following the the uh, lawsuit between Byron Allen and Comcast. Um lately, and mm-hmm. I know they they went before the Supreme Court on Wednesday, and I saw an interview with Byron mm-hmm. Allen, and who was it? Uh, Roland Martin. After okay. their Supreme Court uh, appearance, and he, Byron okay. was saying that the, it went very well. He felt confident that the lawsuit was going to move forward. But I was just wondering if you had any thoughts, any more information, or anybody, any other listeners had any more information on that um, case, and Okay. Uh, anything involved? Because it's kind of hard to get. Okay. Yeah, I'll tell you what.
1: I, yeah, I'll tell you the little bit I've um, assessed um, since the since the um, hearing on Wednesday, um, and and again, this is the little bit I know because yeah, all of us are trying to figure out what came out of it, right? So, um, I, I, I yeah, it, it definitely to a certain extent, if you think going in, what made this case a game changer, at least in my opinion, was. Um, back in September, when the administration uh, Comcast said we want they want to appeal, there are two losses, two Byron Allen they had lost in a couple of lower courts, um, and he you know pretty much won his case. And so Comcast said, well, we're going to appeal to the Supreme Court. So they were taking him there. Well, back in September, the administration said. Um, in reference to that case being, you know, you know, people could just, you know how it goes, the process is you request to be heard by the Supreme Court and they pick and choose what they're going to hear, right? And so, anyway, so during that request, the administration back in September said, well, during this case, would you put, you know, would they asked the Supreme Court to look at the language of the 1866 Civil Rights Act and, and how would they interpret it? How would they, could they reinterpret it as, in a sense as, race being the only issue going that someone would have to prove that race was the only reason you didn't get this contract. And so I go, right. I go back to give that context, and you probably already understood that, but I'm giving context to answer your question. So I'm giving all that context to, to help people understand that that little moment became the game changer. Without that request, it would have been, in a sense, simply a case based on whatever he – you know, he was using that act to say they discriminated, so it would have just been a case on Ford and Comcast. Had that request to not look at the language or reinterpret it, had that not happened, then it literally would have just been a hearing about whether or not he has a ballot case or not at the Supreme Court level. The concern was specifically that request to look at the language. Well, here's what. Seems to have come out because you know, some of the transcript of the hearing came out. So again, I want to give all that context before I said this part. So, okay. some of the transcript came out, and so during the hearing, they did mention that concern, which was what. And again, let me say this real clear is what made it a bigger concern than just Byron Allen. Had it had they had they not asked for that reinterpretation of the act, it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been as a big as a big of a issue for the African American collective. Does that make sense? That if that part had not been asked, it would have just been his case, and, you know, we could have hoped he won, or, you know, whatever, you could have just hoped he won, but it wouldn't have affected
3: the rest of us.
1: Once that part got asked, it was a it was potential that it could affect the rest of us moving forward in contracts. So let me, again, I'm just trying to give a lot of context. So what did come up during the transcript, was well, they said, hey, one judge said, well, that standard has always been the case with the 1866 Civil Rights Act. That's what one judge suggested. Another judge kind of put, went back and said, well, if that is the standard, he kind of just pointed out that if that was the standard, that is a unfair burden on a plaintiff to – I'm kind of trying, you know again. I'm just trying to give the best paraphrase as I can. But it's an, un- right. it's an unfair burden on a plaintiff to anticipate while trying to t- bring forward a suit against someone for discrimination. So that it is an unfair burden for a plaintiff right. to have to anticipate all the other reasons they might say we didn't give you this contract. To they would have to basically saying they would have to anticipate that to then narrow it down that, well, race was the only reason. So that judge was kind of countering the judge that said, well, no, that's always been the standard. The other judge was mm-hmm. basically saying if that had been the standard, it would not make sense for that to be the standard. It's how I right. how I personally took that part of the transcript. And then another judge kind of said, well, this case shouldn't even have gotten this far. And that's kind of pop in my opinion, this is why Byron Allen is probably happy. me mean, well, not, not, that that, not that that part was favorable for him, but when the judge got to that point, it kind of turned the reinterpretation kind of null and void from the standpoint. It didn't seem like the judges concerned themselves with it much more. Does that make sense? So it's kind of like that part kind of got set aside. So now it's just going to come down to merits of the case. Because had it just been that, It wouldn't have been alarming for the rest of the collective. Does that make sense? So at least in my eyes, what I got from it was it did get mentioned, which is concerning to me, but it seems like they didn't spend a lot of time on it as if it won't be the, that won't come out of the case, that there will be some type of reinterpretation. They may just settle it on merit, which he's happy because he's won twice before. No guarantee that he's going to win. But as long as they don't touch the reinterpretation, we're in good shape, and it looks like they might not. That's my assessment after Wednesday, personally. So I hope I answered your question. We got a minute to go, but I definitely thank you for ask you know asking that question because I don't think people understand it the way at least I think I understand it. Obviously, having not done a show on it. I've tried my best to understand it. So that's my best understanding of what came out as a Wednesday. Obviously, we're waiting for their actual um you know decision if that makes sense but that's what i got you got 30 seconds thanks for calling me appreciate your supporting and and and, and again i may do more open calls well i got you so you say that's a good idea to maybe do more open calls for the show because you say you've been listening. i definitely want to take some feedback on that
6: yeah definitely because it does it, it just opens up the format as far as like different uh, topics that are on people's minds okay not just narrow
1: right we'll look to do it yeah, we'll start doing it more All right, sounds good. All I ask is that you think. We'll see y'all next Saturday. Appreciate all the callers for the open hour. Appreciate Horace Williams for the first hour. See y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think.